Hello, and welcome to episode two of Decoding Devs. I am your host, Michelle, and with me today across the table, as always, is my son, Colin. Hello. And today, we're just going to not be so ambitious as we thought we were going to be, because <laughs> we had initially thought, we're going to do two episodes of Devs per episode of Decoding Devs, and nope. That yeah. didn't work because the last episode of Decoding Devs was 2.2 hours long. We're not going to do that again, I don't think. Wait. With this episode. No, it's it's 2.25. Well, oh, no, it's... It's fine. It's It was over two hours long, 2. is my point. 2.35 around there. It was over two hours long, 2. is my 3. point. But it was... <laughs> would you shut up and throw something at your face? <laughs> Welcome to episode two of Colin Wants to Drive His Mother Crazy. I'm not going to respond. That's what is happening in Whatever. quarantine. Whatever. Today. Whatever. Okay. So anyway. You know what Lily puts up on the window at the end of the episode? <laughs> that is not cute. I am still I'm your kidding. parental unit. Uh, it's just a joke. Anyways, we're dialing down our ambition and um, we're going to do one episode of Decoding Devs per. It's a, it's a one-to-one ratio. One episode per one episode. So today... We're doing episode two of Devs on episode two of Decoding Devs. So it's actually I was I was putting something on I was posting something on my Instagram about how uh, the first episode dropped and the number of times I used the word Devs. It was like I know. So now I think I'm just gonna start calling it DD. (laughs) DD Double D. No, (laughs) DD. I liked it. All right. Well, I I feel you because I was writing our little synopsis. And I think I used the word devs like 11 <laughs> yeah. bajillion times. It gets old. But anyway, I'm just going to preface. We are aiming for a shorter time this time around. It will be shorter. Yes. That is absolutely for positive. And content-wise, we honestly, in the analysis of the second episode, we honestly don't have pretty much nearly as much as we had for the first one, I would say. No, because I feel like they crammed that episode full of so much stuff yeah because it was the pilot yeah i guess yeah just like lost and this one is a little more about the like the murder mystery aspect Mm -hmm. of the show i would say right it still has tons of cool stuff in it but it's kind of like the opposite of um the not uh, murder on Orient Express, and then like no one knows who the killer is, but all the time, to- all this time, we know who kills Sergey. Yeah, I guess that's, that's how true. I kind of look at it. It's kind of like the opposite. Yeah, and there's only like five people, <laughs> five characters in the show, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I just noticed that. Anyway. Well, let's think. Do we meet any new characters in this show? Um, oh yeah, we meet Anton. Oh, yeah, He's of course. New. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get um, to that. Played by Brian Darcy James to, to perfection, by the way. But I'm a big musical theater person. Wait, who are we talking about here? Anton. Oh. Okay. Played by Brian Darcy James. Okay. Who, I, I'm sure people know him from other things, but I know him from musical theater. Oh, cool. We saw him on Broadway, my son. Oh, wait. Remember? Is it for something, something rotten? rotten? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. he does cool. musical comedy like nobody's business. So when his face popped up on my screen, I kind of giggled like, what? Dude. Like, this is weird casting. That's actually interesting you bring that up. It's like, 
the the binary of all binary in arts, comedy and drama. Like since the beginning of storytelling's time, you know. Well, he does other things too. No, no, no. But I've seen I'm... him in other dramas, but it always it always takes me a minute to be like, okay. It's not. It's not Shrek. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it, that too, yeah. So it's it's like a miniature. It's like a microcosm of the show, kind of. Because we have um, I always forget his name. Forrest. Sorry, I'm very bad with names. Oh, Nick Offerman. Yeah, like him, and like we know him as being hilarious, and he's playing this very melancholic dude. Very not hilarious. The opposite of who he is, and it's kind of there too. I did not know he was in the musical theater though. That's really cool. He was literally him. Shrek. On Broadway. Yeah, dude, now that I think about his face, like, yeah, it's definitely the same dude. He has some epic eyebrows. Yep. <laughs> Shrucky <the> eyebrows. <laughs> no offense. And it didn't take me long to believe him as yep. being this Russian spy, but <laughs> yeah. again, when good his, accent, really good accent. When his face popped up, I was kind of like, uh, giggle, because yeah. it's Shrek. Yeah. Or the guy from Something Rotten, I can't remember that character's name, but it's a comedic role again. Yeah, it's funny. But I remember him. He was a dad. He was a dad in that Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't see it. So. Yeah. So he's done dramatic stuff. But anyway, okay. Let's get back to. Um, let's just start. Well, other characters? Are there any other new characters? Him. Um. Um. I mean, we kind of get more of. Uh. Hello. I uh, know. I'm thinking. I'm Jamie. Thinking. No, Lyndon. And oh, Lyndon and um, Stuart. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we get more, we definitely get more of them in this. Yeah. Um, which is great because they are both great. They are really good. That, I love them. Yeah. And Jamie. Everyone. Everyone's good. Everyone. <laughs> but anyways, um, so this episode is episode two, written, directed, created, and produced by my Alex boy. Garland, yep. who is my master now. I think I've made that point. <laughs> We're not going to say that every time. Nope, but I'm going to say it one more time. <laughs> okay. And um, the director of photography, Rob Hardy, still killing it. Yeah, definitely. And the score by Ben Salisbury and the Insects. We have a very interesting color palette change, um, kind of. This inclusion more of these shades of green. That A lot. Yeah, like we kind of were just getting the forest color green. Mm-hmm. Not really much else out of that. But now we're getting like bright neon green. And then we're getting that really, what's that color you... Uh, the color of <clears throat> Jamie's me. apartment that you're talking about. Oh gosh, I forget. I actually, Aww. I actually did a Google of um, Pantone colors. <laughs> yeah. To see if I could figure out what the heck color green is that is in, in his apartment because it is a a very interesting green. Very dark. It's very dark with a very heavy tint of violet, like dark blue. Blue. Dark blue. There's a lot of blue in it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But can we start at the beginning? Many greens. Yeah. Sorry, I'm all over. But... With the um, opening. Montage. We get another montage. Yay. Yeah, I love the montages. And this one is a song called Congregation by Low Playing. And it starts with the very first image is Lily sobbing her eyes out because Wait. she is at the site of where um, Sergey's body is. What? Wait, did you say that they're called Low Playing? Isn't it? That's no, what I heard. They're down. called Low. You might be mistaking the word playing, though. <laughs> did I really? I think you did. <laughs> Huge disclaimer, my mom knows nothing. Hi, I'm a grandma, and I don't know how to read. It's low. Okay. Yikes. Sorry, low. <laughs> anyway. Why did I think it was that? I don't know. 
That's weird. <laughs> that is very weird. That's weird. I'm such a doofus. Oh my god. <laughs> That's okay. That's this is typical for me. Like stupid stuff. That Honestly. But anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's... Congregation by Low. As you as you continue. Okay. Did you write down the um the lyrics? No, I did not. Oh dang. Okay, I'm looking them up. But fun fact, our new logo for this podcast. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which by the way. Thank you very much, Matthew Frisbee, yeah. who has become our regular um, my boy podcast artist. Mm-hmm. Made our logo for us, and he's probably going to be on the show sometime because he is watching devs because he knows what's up. He knows what's up. Anyway, he made this logo um, out of binary code, and according to him, it is the binary code of the lyrics from Congregation. Yeah. I can't prove that because I don't understand binary I mean, code. I could prove that, but I trust him. <laughs> but we trust Matt. We've known yeah. him since he was five years old, so I think yeah, it's man. fine. Yeah, man. Anyway. Well, you saw, I mean, did you say that he made the our symbol for Unknown Regions podcast? I did. I said he's our, our usual podcast artist. Cool, designer, yeah. Okay, yeah. Who makes yeah, our man. logos for us. Shout out. Um. Yeah, okay. So, starting again. Yes. First shot of the montage, Lily is sobbing. Yeah, man. Because she is seeing with her own eyeballs poor Sergei's charred body. She's actually a good crier. She is a very good crier. Like, she can be an ugly crier or she can be a pretty crier. Yeah. Yep. And true. Which, honestly... That's as, a gift. <laughs> as just an ugly crier, I don't understand pretty criers and I never have. Interesting. Well, and how you actually accomplish that. I don't know how. You just don't wrinkle up. I think it's the wrinkles that are ugly. You know? It is, but I don't know. I can't cry otherwise. Like... I just can't silently sit there with a beautiful face and have that one <laughs> teardrop stream down. Yeah. Okay, by the way, this is how we get a two-hour podcast, because we just sit here. And <laughs> okay, so go ahead, Can I get through the montage, Yes, please? dude. Okay. Yes, dude. Okay, so Lily's sobbing. We get a shot of the gasoline bottle. Then we get a shot of Sergey's hand. It's called Jerry Can, by the way. Whatever. <laughs> you keep calling it a bottle. It's like... Not really a bottle. Anyway, yeah, continue. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Specifically with the view of a circle in the negative space. Yes. Yeah. Were you going to say that? No. Oh, but what? Yeah, you're correct. What do you want? I'm just saying, can I get through the montage? Okay, man. <laughs> then we'll go back and talk about the montage. Bruv. Bruv. Don't bruv me. Bruv. <laughs> Let me get through it. Ever since I watched... Sorry, one more thing. Ever since I watched... Attack the block. Now, every time I want to say bruh, I instead say bruv. Because bruv. it just flows. It's got the velvety v. It's got a nice... All right. All right. <clears throat> so we have shots of Sergei's burned hand, Sergei's burned foot, Sergei's burned face. Yep. Um, is it from the front? The face is kind of like... Yeah, okay. you see his whole face. Cool. Then we see the entrance to the machine core. Right. A shot of Lyndon. A shot of Stuart. A shot of a very nice circle of trees casting linear shadows on the ground with um, Colossus Amaya in the background. <laughs> yes. Then, just all cards on the table, we see Kenton fighting unknown person Ooh, in the garage. I don't think we know yes, that that's is, Kenton. You can tell it's Kenton. Really? You can totally tell. Well, we know who he is. We've seen him. But I we guess. don't know who this other dude is. I didn't. 
I rem- I vividly remember when I, when I watched when we watched it the first time. I did not know that that was Kenton. I knew it was Kenton. Okay, well, anyway. And didn't know who the other guy was. I'm just stupid then. Well, I don't know. Maybe you just <laughs> weren't paying attention to. I don't know, okay. but <laughs> I could tell one of the guys was Kenton. Right. He's got a very specific body type. Uh, he does, just honestly. not be rude about it, but I'm just saying he is. A- he he his arms and just body sits low, which yes. I think is funny. Low. <laughs> um. Uh, then there's a shot of Katie in profile. Yeah, that's a, a good one. A shot of Forrest in profile, and then he's mad about something. Yeah, he slams the table on the beat. Um. Uh, and, you know, while there's a giant glass portrait of Maya next to him and a big circle behind him. Just saying. Isn't the portrait of Maya looking down at him, too? It might be. I think it is. It might be. It's cool. Um, then we get a full shot of Sergei's burned body from yep. the back. And then it slowly, um, the camera guides over to Amaya's feet. Mm-hmm. And then it is an upshot all the way up to her face, and she looks maniacal <laughs> from that shot. Yeah. And a few things I noticed. I th- It was the first time I had noticed that there was trim on her dress. Oh, yeah. And you really are addicted to the trim right now. Well, it just, somebody had to say. I know, I know, I know. Hey, put little pom-pom ball trim You're on right. her dress. Yeah, I know. At the bottom. Mm-hmm. That doesn't just happen. Someone has to say, put that on there. Right. Because it's little balls. Yeah. Little no, I feel... Balls. Yes, okay. <laughs> I, just saying. But the, what's interesting with that, though, is that's considering the three-dimensional circle, you know? But it's still... If you're looking at it head-on, it just looks like circles. No, I know, but... We I, know it's say- three-dimensional, but, I mean... I know, but that's kind of like something we haven't actually talked about too much, is if there's any three-dimensional circles oh but there are and we will talk about it in this episode there are definitely three-dimensional cubes like we've seen that or cubes we've we've seen that there are absolutely three-dimensional circles represented in this particular episode actually honestly i don't remember we'll get to it so okay but that there i'm just saying she has a little pom-pom ball trim on her dress Okay. okay sure and just it's just like Here's your burn sacrifice, Colossus of Maya. Yeah. Sitting at your feet while you look crazy. Sick. And go ahead and say what you were going to say about how it pans up at, or tilts up at her face. Oh, yeah, thank you. (laughs) And it's a beautiful, sunny, cloudy sky. It's cloud lit. No. No, it's cloudy. There's clouds. Oh, is it really? Well, yeah, puffy, pretty clouds. Oh, okay. But I honestly don't remember there being any clouds. But um, it kind of looks like that. So her hands are like kind of out how we've seen it all this time but this particular camera shot you know her hands are kind of facing up even though her arms are out and it kind of looks like from that angle that she's lifting up the sky kind of like an atlas image or imagery of like atlas uh who is the um god right i think he's a god um he's uh um, roman i forget or greek I'm so bad. I always forget if he's Roman or Greek for some reason. I'm pretty sure he's Greek, but he he the myth of him he's is that, that he, he has to world. hold up the world. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but she's full on looking crazy. Like yeah. they have this reflection in her eyes that make her look a lot like of that. maniacal. Often you see her with those reflections. No, but what's really I I noticed that we we just watched this episode like <laughs> 20 minutes ago more or less, and I noticed there's one shot in the episode of her at night. Do you remember this one? 
That's the one I have on my Facebook profile, and everyone's yelling at me because they're terrified of it. <laughs> no, no, no. But that one, it's interesting. You say this, the reflection in her eyes make her look like crazy. Mm-hmm. That In that scene, it makes it look like tears. Straight up, it looks like tears, which I think is really it didn't interesting. didn't look like it to me. It makes, makes it look scary to me. I don't get that, though. I totally thought it looks like she's crying. Like, actually. Could, I mean, sure. Why not? Fascinating. I don't know. Either way, but to me, she looks hella nuts. Sure, okay, keep going. We're <laughs> more than 15 minutes already. Okay. All right, we're not going to say how long. Okay, sorry, talking. sorry. Um, okay, so just real quick. The shots of Sergei. Hand, foot, mm-hmm. face. Right. Um, Jesus much? <laughs> okay, sure. Crucifixion much? Yeah. Sacrifice much? Yeah, it's... I love a montage. It's More on that say. later. I love a montage. It yeah. tells you everything without telling you anything. It's well, great. I was, you know, I said before, the the good artist shows you everything that you're about to hear or see or taste before you even partake in it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everything needs to be offered in the beginning of the piece, you know, mm-hmm. for a good piece. And he does that every time. So anything else you want to say about the montage? That was kind of the one. That was kind of the thing I wanted to say. Is 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 it's that he's not only foreshadowing what happens in the episode, but like it also serves the purpose of the whole cycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, concept that's obviously permanent or uh, prevailing in this whole show, which is cool. Because the episode ends with the same song it starts with again. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Same as the first. Right. Doesn't the first one end with it too? It does. It does. It does. Yeah. He's into that. Very. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So the first scene post-montage is Forrest is talking to Lily on the campus. Of oh, yeah. That's great. And um, they're good. sitting in front of this, the wall of the outside of this building, and it has all kinds of, um, looks like written in chalk. Like people have been working mm-hmm. out. On the walls. Uh, yeah, working out mathematics and physics and quantum stuff on the walls. And it's a lot of circles and it's a lot of lines yeah. and a lot of scribbles. Um but that's behind them as they're having this conversation. Right, totally. But Forrest is telling Lily... Cold open. <laughs> cold real open cold, to the episode. Real cold with another monologue. Yeah, man. About um, the death of his daughter, mm. Amaya. And how when she died, he was placed into two concurrent states. Yes. I didn't write down this monologue <gasps> word for word this time because... Why? I was probably tired. No, dude. I, I don't. Know, have... I thought I trust. I could trust you. I'm sorry. I did not write it word for word. Mostly, just let me read my notes. Okay, fine. Um, he was placed into two concurrent states: full understanding that Amaya was gone, no comprehension of her death. It's an impossible thing, an implausible thing. So, full understanding and also complete. This can't be true. Now. This Wait, is obvious. Oh, okay. okay. They were absolute states, complete, but I held them both, still do. Mm. So this is... It's everything. Maybe one of our first... I don't know if it's first, but a, a declarative statement of a paradoxical state of... Oh, yeah. Believing two opposite things, being in two places at once... At the same time, which mm. doesn't make sense in reality to 
be able to believe both things at the same time. Well, okay. You're saying it's the first instance in the show where someone actually says something about it, about being in two concurrent states. Where it is handed to us on a silver platter okay, without okay, yes, being totally. able to misinterpret this is a theme. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Here is a theme on a silver platter for you. We've already talked about the paradoxes, right? How important that is right now. I'm not really sure that I we honestly, have. Yeah, I don't think we have. But can we now? Wait, no, no. Let me let me handle. I'll go through a brief summary about, like, now we, now we know that this whole idea of paradoxes is definitely important, confirmed by this opening monologue but by Forrest But you have to be careful himself. not to spoil anything I'm not spoiling episode anything. Two. Okay. I got this. Okay. So, in the first episode, you know, we talked about how, well, obviously we saw Sergei die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then there's this CT- CCTV footage of him alive and burning himself alive. That's a paradox. On yeah. the on the level of the characters, we know that that's not true, but obviously within the show, um, I already, you know I already kind of talked about the reference to paradoxical activity in the music itself with the consonants and dissonance happening at the mm-hmm. same time. Oh, I guess you did bring this up in episode one. Um, you did. But now I'm saying like now, especially like, referring to the music. Okay, cool. I'm saying it's kind of confirmed. I mean, even the fact that there's a tall statue of a little girl, that's that's more um that's more what's the word, um. It's a literary term. It's that's more ironic. No, um, it's not. It's not irony to have a tall statue of a little girl. I think it is. No, there's a certain word, but anyway, um, there's that play going on between like things that don't work together that are, and you're just given it. <laughs> like, doesn't matter if you understand it or not. You're like gonna get this. Like the circles and the straight lines. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, and I made the realization today that, you know, you can make a circle with a straight line if you just bend it. Sure. Mm. And we have to say that our um, graphic artist extraordinaire, Matt Frisbee, <laughs> oh, when, yeah. we, when we told him what we wanted for, when we told him we wanted binary code zeros and ones for our um, design, he was like, but this is quant, it's about quantum. Yeah. Uh, he roasted us out here. <laughs> and I was like, it is, but it isn't. <laughs> because. Well, there's a, actually a conversation in this episode about that very thing. Right. Totally. About the the clash between quantum and binary. But anyway. Oxymoron. That's oh, the word. oxymoron. There's a lot of oxymoronic things happening, a lot of paradoxical things happening. It is also ironic to have a giant statue of a little girl. I think. I guess, but I, but I, right. I never oxymoron. want to use the word irony unironically, because okay. I know that if I do, I'm probably going to get it wrong. Okay. Well, their conversation... Is ends basically with Forrest telling her, you know, I will provide you duty of care and you don't have to come to work if you don't feel like it and your job is secure. Don't you worry about it. And you just go home and mourn your dead boyfriend that I killed. It's fine. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes, um, man. Don't worry about it. All right. He's clearly feeling guilt about this. Yeah, so, which is weird. It is weird. Um, so then I love this next part. I cannot express why I love it so much. I guess I can a little bit, but. Uh, we see Forrest driving home in his oh. POS car. <laughs> yes. And confirmed pulls, POS car. Oh, by confirmed! The way. And it's like an old Outback <laughs> car, and it, he pulls into his driveway. We see him get out of his car, and then there's a shot through tree branches mm-hmm. from the side of his house. It's like the car is now in profile, and the house is in profile and you see him go into his house it's a weird shot through these tree branches yeah this is all in silence there's no music yep 
Interesting. That's I mean, important. it's not silence, like there's sound effects, but there's no music. That's important, though. It is. Then we start with this floaty camera movement that just, like, floats <laughs> very slowly as it's as it's moving forward into the rooms of the house. Yeah. Also, notice this. Every door is open. Oh. Every door is open. And that, and that one shot with all the doors, oh, all the rooms, they're all open. I didn't notice open. that. Yep. I just noticed the one at the end of the hall, which is significant. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, it floats very slowly into the kitchen. You know, We don't see Forrest anymore. Like, he just like gone. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that too. I was like, he where does he go? He just disappears inside his own house. It floats into the kitchen, then it floats over to the dining area, and there's a fish tank. And there's it's a fish tank. floating closer to the fish tank. Then it cuts to a hallway. And we float down the hallway to a door at the end of the hallway, which is open. Mm-hmm. And you can see a couple toys. And then we go into that room, cut to into that room. And it's clearly Amaya's bedroom that has not changed at all. Yeah. It's still covered with toys. There's toys everywhere and books. And her bed's made. And I think her name's even on the wall. Like, in, Yeah, it's weird. It is preserved in a state. It looks clean, bro. <laughs> it is an unchanged, preserved mm-hmm. state. So How Colin, is that possible? Well, I mean, it's possible. I know it's possible, but... Like, most people maybe would have moved on a little bit. Yeah. Oh, what were you going to say? You said my name. What were you going to say? I didn't say your name. You said Colin said something. I don't think I did. Yeah, you did. Oh, well, I didn't mean to. You'll hear it when we uh, play this back. Okay, maybe I will. I <laughs> now don't, I'm mad. I don't, I'm senile. I don't remember what I was going to say. All right. But... We, Colin and I were talking, though, about, okay, what is the purpose of this scene? Because there's no dialogue. It's kind of an odd little scene. And I think we decided the purpose of this scene is to show what a frozen state he's in. He's still driving his junk car. He hasn't moved from this house, even though he's really, really rich. And her bedroom has not been touched. Yeah. And... And then I think you were the one that said, it's like, is it preserved or is he waiting for her to come back? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, we don't know at Creepy. this point. <laughs> it's just also, it's very weird. Also, um, I noticed in the, in um, a later scene, he's wearing, he wears his wedding ring. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I'm surprised at myself. I usually really notice it's people's a circle. jewelry. It's a circle I, the finger. I usually notice people's jewelry. Characters. Yeah, man. He's there's one shot where you can see it. He puts his arm up, and you can see it for a brief moment. But he is wearing a ring for wow. sure. Wow. Hmm. Which is interesting. Again, that you wouldn't see it until that moment. Yeah, I didn't even notice. I it. feel like that's on purpose. Um, but, but just amen to the Kubrick floaty camera. Yeah. Just yeah. Ugh, so good. What other? It. I mean, he he's using The Shining. He uses it in. Uses it in everything. Just about. I mean, two thousand one for sure. Clockwork Orange. I can't watch that movie. He, but he does. Yeah, it's a Kubrick. It's, it's I guess he's Kubricking again. Yeah, <laughs> he's on the prowl. Um, okay, so the next scene we cut to Lily, who's home, talking to her mom on her little earpiece phone thing. I'm sure that has that's not what it's called. What's it called? <laughs> I don't know. She doesn't oh, have a oh, phone on <laughs> her face. Dude, AirPods. She just yeah, AirPods. <laughs> um. And she's basically conveying to her mother that Sergey's dead. She's notified Sergey's family. One-sided dialogue. 
It's one side of dialogue. You don't hear the other end. And her mom clearly offers, says, you know, why don't you come to Hong Kong? This is the first time we find out, like, she's basically not with anywhere near her family. She's kind of by herself. Yeah. So. Yeah, she looks so alone in this scene. She looks very alone. Yeah. And there is, um, uh, oh, actually, the music started playing when we get into Amaya's bedroom and it continues through this whole scene with Lily talking on the phone. But it starts, what's it start with? It starts with that. Um, it's a cluster synth chord. It's a cluster chord. It's it's not, I couldn't tell you the inter, the notes in it, but. But you were messing around like on the piano today. Yeah. The, with, the, with the strings. When they come in, when the violin comes in and starts playing these uh, tri-chords or triads and dyads, I guess you could call them. Um, of just like three notes and two notes played consecutively, but and then separated by silences, which are interesting. Um, do you want me to talk about it? Is that is this a yeah. clue? Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this the camera slowly pans over to look at my Maya's bed, and there's like a doll on the bed, um, which I think is weird that he had to have put that doll there and set up the bed anyway. Um, and then there's a cut, there's an edit to show a street actually. Oh yeah, I forgot about the the street shots. There's always so many street shots street shots <laughs> but they're very cool all st- traffic or roads or stream or really or bright tram lines. yellow lines in the night <laughs> tram lines lots of tram lines going on yeah several um but so as she's talking you hear this kind of weird it's like there's an underlying synth tone of various pitches that are kind of made to create this just like cluster white noise almost a little bit not really to serve as a chord and it's sustaining um, and then on top of that, you have these strings come in and it starts with, it's just violins, I believe. Um, and the violins play just the first three pitches of a minor scale. So exactly it's G A B flat. And then, you know, that's kind of got like a sinister, mysterious, melancholic, like that's what you want in that scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it goes G B flat A. So it's like around these three pitches, just like rearranging them. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down a f- perfect fifth from G to C, which is like the pe- my, my music theory teacher likes to call C the, the people's note the people and C major, the people's key, because it's like the one that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes C, D, E flat, which is what we call a transposition. And a transposition is when you take the same collection of pitches and transpose each pitch down a certain number of half steps equally. So if I took like G down to C a perfect fifth, I would take the A down to D a perfect fifth and the P flat down to E flat. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it repeats C, D, E flat, the same motive that's G, A, B flat. But then you get this really interesting color and it's very off-putting in my opinion. And I honestly, the first time I heard it, I got like a shiver because I was like, oh, this is not minor. What is this? This is super <laughs> weird. So Because we're in minor this whole time or some variation of the mode Aeolian for all you nerds out there. Um, we get this D and then E natural. So it's a half step up from the E flat. So you get this, like, even just talking about it, you can like tell, <laughs> I guess I can't tell. He's, he's cringing. Like his I'm face like, is... it's uncomfortable. Dude. <laughs> so like, I know last time I talked about the Picardy third, which feels good, but this, this is the is thing. It's like the, opposite it's the same. No, it's the same. That's what a Picardy third is. It's when you lift up the minor third and you change it into the major third. It's fascinating. You know, he talks about two concurrent states and how, like, if you want to put it into perspective, 
perspective. My mind's going off right now. So you can Settle put it down. into perspective. Calm down. I'm you calm. Need a, you need a drink. I'm calm. No. So. <laughs> okay, I'm going to calm down. This right, is what right, happens right, when right. you get a music major nerd <laughs> no, no, no. geeking out on music. But, like, the fact that the episode opens with that monologue and that sentence is important. You know what I mean? Very. For the entire episode. And yeah. if you look at it that way and you listen to this music that's very different and very new, but it has it ends. And it ends with it, too, which is another sign of a Picardy third. The Picardy third always comes at the very end of a piece. That's why it's a Picardy third. That's mm-hmm. that's what defines it. Mm-hmm. This comes at the very end of the phrase in the same way a Picardy third would come at the end of a piece. It's the exact same function, but it plays a completely different role, which I think is fascinating. Weird. And I honestly don't know how it works so well, but it probably works really well because there's all these silences in between it. You don't know when it's coming back. Maybe. And there's this weird, like at the bottom of it, mm-hmm. just going, you mm-hmm. know? I don't know. I, it's really cool. I don't know how it works. But excellent choices of pitches. And not to mention, by the time the piece, the music ends, so after Lily's done with her conversation mm-hmm. at, at that point, the score's probably about a minute and a half long. It kind of keeps going with this synth tone, and then it starts modulating a little bit here or there while these violins, strings are playing. Weren't there, wasn't there some, like, vocal vocalizations in there, though? Like, Is that where the uh, Luxa turn on? N- this later. No, it's just... I don't know. I don't remember now. I can't remember. But I've, I'm almost sure there's some female voices huh. mixed in with that at some point, or it changes over into the female voices at some point. Honestly, I don't remember. Um, but what I do remember, what I was going to say just now, you said I was playing around with the piano. So I actually sat down and I played out, like I said, the whole thing. The reason I know those pitches is because I play them at a piano. I'm not like crazy. Okay. So, <laughs> well, you are. I sat down, but and you I, didn't know that until you sat down at the piano and figured it out. Yeah, I sat down at the piano and I matched all the notes, kind of in their relative octave, in in the same octave. So they were kind of all next to each other, and when you play them together, it sounds really dissonant. You know, mm-hmm. you can imagine getting this minor third on a major third on a major second on a perfect fifth. It's just like messy. yeah, it sounded like a a cacophony when you it, played yeah, it all together. Exactly, but if you spread them out through this process called um, inversion, you know, this, there's this thing in music called inversion, which is literally when you take an interval and you flip it across a middle axis, you know, mm-hmm. so C to G is a fifth. If you flip the G over the C to the F, you can get a perfect fifth in the opposite direction, F to C. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. It's actually kind of a complicated thing to talk about, so I apologize if I'm going awry here, but basically, um, I took all the pitches and I figured out which one could go the lowest on the piano and maintain the stacked fifths. You know what I mean? The most consonant interval, like I'm saying, mm-hmm. in Western harmony. And you can stack every one of the pitches that's played in a perfect eight perfect... There's eight perfect fifths that go from the bottom to the top of the piano when you invert them. Hmm. So, like, literally, you can turn this, like, really constrained music in within the same octave very dissonant cacophony like you say and you or you could unravel it completely and take up the whole piano and it would have the same pitches essentially should be the same thing but it has a different sound completely so again what does he say um two concurrent states concurrent states it's the same thing simultaneous it's the same thing but different hmm fascinating anyway 
Excellent score. Does that make sense? Even to did that a make sense? I hope that makes sense. Person like me. Hmm. Did that make sense? Mm, I mean, somewhat. I mean, you I, heard me do it upstairs, right? No, no, no. I then that's the only reason I really understand what you're saying because I did hear you do it, so I know what you were doing. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I hope people understood it because I was kind of blown away with that realization that it's so it's so deeply rooted in the show, man. Like these concepts are like you gotta look, but if you can find it, you feel just like enlightened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's um, why the show is amazing. Yeah, dude, it's nuts. These themes are it's soaking in these themes. Like it's not just like oh here's like that speech. Here's your theme on a on a platter for you to understand, which it is. But then. It's in the costumes. It's in the music. It's in the set design. It's in the the color theory. It's in yeah. freaking everything. Every layer. Every level, I mean. Uh, but yeah, okay. shout out Ben Salisbury and the insects and Jeff. Uh, oh, shoot. What's his last name? You didn't write it down? No, I did not. Because oh, he's, not, it, he's not given credit in the um, in the credits, which... Oh, yeah, that's but right. But from reading, I, I know there's another collaborator. Okay. And his first name is Jeff. Barrow. Jeffrey. Oh yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah. Shout out. My neurons fired at the exact <laughs> perfect time for once. Yes. Okay. Are you done? Neuron? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, good. That was like my big music realization for this episode. Yeah, and he... then there's the one with the ligati. He comes back, baby. He's back, okay. yo. When is... that's later though, right? Yeah. You're gonna have to jump in and tell me when because I don't think I wrote that down. I but... honestly, d- I might not be able to do that, but I can talk about it later. Okay. Any- anyway. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> after she speaks to her mother. She tries one more time to crack the password on Sergey's phone into his um, fake Sudoku game, or what she thinks is a fake Sudoku game, mm-hmm. and doesn't get it right, and now she only has one more chance or it's going to wipe. So um, it cuts to nighttime, and, you know, more city street shots, and we get a nice shot of a lombard-esque street that's very curvy from yeah. above it's right from above too it looks cool it looks yeah. like a waveform it does look like a waveform mm-hmm. and it's not a straight line but it's still a tram line it's <laughs> getting somewhere even if you go curvy yeah man um you can't escape your destiny n- even if you go like up <laughs> and down and around you're still on a tram line okay so i, I gotta say it again geometric theory it's there the geometric theory is ridiculously palpable, man. It is, and I just, I can't say anything right now because it's in a later episode, but the waves, the the way that that looks like a wave, might be referenced in a later episode. Do, uh... He's looking at me confused. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You've seen the episode, but I can't say anything. Okay. Like like water? No, 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 no. Let's not talk about no, it. No, like water? No. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I got it. Okay, Okay. so we see um, Lily walking oh, up a street. Oh, I know what you mean now. <laughs> Sorry. Took him Continue. a minute. I'm good. He's got it now. I got it. Okay, um, we see Lily walking up a street, like literally up, because it's like a hill. Yeah, it's like a slightly slanted up. But everything weird. in San Francisco is like that. It's like... It's all hills. It's crazy. You've got to go someday. It's... I've, I've only been there once. Have it I is been? the coolest city. No, we've never been to San Francisco. Oh. We need to do it once though, and then we need to like go sneak into um, Skywalker Ranch. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Anyway, um, we see Lily, uh, and she starts climbing up the side of the building. 
like a Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, gets on to a fire escape. The Omglockin's back. Or what oh, I think it's right. Omglockin, I'm pretty sure. Yes. It's that's a little different. The little bells. What's it called? Omglockin. I think that's what they are. It's German, obviously. Um, so, yeah, there's this little bell motif that they use in the show occasionally. Just people moving music. Yeah, people moving music. So she starts clearly climbing up <laughs> this building to a window. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about more Lily and windows later. Yeah. But um, it cuts to our friend Jamie. The boy. I'll take you, I'll let you take this one. Who's playing a video game, which Colin has said is... Oh, Dark Souls. Don't know anything about that, but... Okay. I, I honestly don't know if there's a meaning for that. Other than that, it's a game that people. a nerd like him would definitely play. So, <laughs> Dark Souls. Some people on the show apparently have some I, Dark Souls. I guess that's true. Um. Anyway, he's very his comedic timing is great. I love that. Yeah, actor. he's really good with the timing. Um. So he is playing a game. His character dies, and he just kind of deadpan says, "I died." And he's right in the center of the screen. And he's right in the center of the screen. It's so and funny. He's like looking sad and dejected, and says, "I died." <laughs> And then immediately you hear this tap, 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 tap on his window <laughs> and it scares him and it cuts over to the window and there's Lily standing in the, in his window yep. of his back, back of his apartment up, has climbed with the fire escapes. Very odd. <laughs> yeah, and, why? um, why, dude? she says, let me in mm-hmm. and some other stuff, but let me in. Yeah. Caught my attention. Um, so he lets her in. And uh, as she's coming into his apartment, I get yeah. obsessed with the weirdest, weirdest no, stuff. No, it's worthy to be obsessed with it because it's important. I guess. But there is a piece of art hanging on his wall that you only see twice and it's briefly. Yep. But it, it's it's like a repetitive picture of something. I still can't tell what it is. Yeah, I can't. It's too dark. Um... But it look you. It is a, it's a repetition of something. Like, yeah, it's like an image that's like juxtaposed on itself in like a repetitive order, like a stuttered way. way. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. underneath <laughs> it, it says the word, K U R S S T, or a name. And there's a little tiny print at the bottom of this poster, and I've tried to read it, and the only word that I can probably make out is the word exhibition. Mm-hmm. So I was like cursed (laughs) cursed yep okay what is this so i googled it and i looked i i I can't tell you how i was probably an hour that's crazy man online (laughs) give up bro checking google checking amazon just everything i can think to look for yeah to find okay is this a band is this an artist was this an art show it looks german Yes, the name, uh, it seems German. Yeah. But the only thing I could find of any reference that made sense was uh-huh. an artist named Betty Kirst Nelson, I want to say. Okay. Oh, but I, I couldn't. But I couldn't find a reference to her ever having an art show. I couldn't find this particular, if this is a piece of art of hers, this stuttered image, I couldn't find a picture of that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know if it's real or if they literally put the word cursed on his wall because do we need to be afraid for Jamie? 
because right. Lily is standing at his door saying, let me in, which is the name of a vampire movie. <laughs> I mean, and okay, that's what I vampires get... like. That's a vampire thing. I know, dude. You float up to the window like they do it on um, what we do in the shadows all the time. Oh, but it's God. comedic, <laughs> but like they they float up to the window and like you have to invite me in. You have to you have to invite me in. I can't come in until you invite me in. But it's also a tool of a romance story to climb up to a higher elevation to get to the to get to the woman. I mean, Rapunzel, dude. It is. Which is actually a fascinating parallel. Okay, so I'm the pessimist and you're the optimist? Is no. that what we're saying? No, 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 no. Like I agree. You're... It's weird. I mean, it's just weird <laughs> that she climbs up the... Why does she not just go to the door? Why? Well, I understand why she didn't go to the door, because she thought he probably wouldn't let her in. If she buzzed. Oh. And she was like, it's Lily. He would be like, F you, I already told you okay, to go away. Okay, I didn't away. realize that. I mean, I get it why she does it that time. Okay. But Lily in Windows, like I said, is a thing in totally. this show. yeah. And this is maybe the second or third time that we've seen that. Right. So, something's up with Lillian Windows. But anyway, you're saying it's a romantic overture. No, I'm it's both. Saying Why can't it be both? It can. It could be both, but I'm just saying that's funny that I immediately was like, oh my god, she's a vampire. <laughs> and you're like, oh, she's he's Rapunzel and she's in love. Funny. That's Anyways. A, yeah. I don't know. That dang poster, though. If anybody can find oh God. that Let poster. Let it go, man. Let it go. I it can't. does nothing. I can't because I think they made it. It's fake. I really feel like it's fake. Like it's supposed to be. That's like a band poster, like a progressive metal band poster. Everybody, right everybody be afraid for our, our boy our because. Boy. My boy. He's cursed. Maybe. I don't know, but it's funny. Yeah. Um. Okay. So she's like. Listen, I need your help. I just saw footage of my boyfriend lighting himself on fire. Rough. Please, I've only got one more chance to open this phone. I need your help. So, because he's a G and he's a lovely guy. Honestly, dude. He helps her. And he does successfully crack the phone. It is a a link to a kazakhstan server so he's basically like dude your bro your your boy was a, obviously yeah, a spy playing games with you uh and doing industrial espionage right under your nose yep. hello um so she takes the phone and she's like okay i'll read what's on there but i need to be alone so she leaves and by the door she doesn't go back out the window by the way and right. um do we want to talk about the color of his apartment being this saturated, really interesting green color? Because it's very noticeable to yeah, me. It's just like... It's not a forest green. No. It's You're talking about the, the color of his apartment? Yeah. yeah. But it's not like emerald green either. It's like this saturated It green. looks almost black. It's actually almost black. It's very. It's a very interesting color because for whatever reason... Green just seems to be a thing on the show. Yeah. So the fact that for whatever in- reason, hmm, maybe it's because it's important. <laughs> his entire apartment is not like an accent color. His walls are saturated with this color. So, um, yeah, interesting <laughs> color. Interesting, especially since the uh, the color palette of all the other houses and rooms and the office building and everything brighter, softer are these soft colors. Yeah. So it was a, very noticeable that his entire home is this really yeah like why isn't forest's home like that 
Yeah. Right. He's clearly the one that's like depressed AF. Mm, double and, speak. Yeah. Ooh, double speak. Yeah. Double speak. It's even in the colors, man. Okay, so Black. she leaves Jamie's apartment and they leave on good terms. And he's basically All right. is, is fine. You know, she, he, he's coming around to yep. helping her. Um, cuts to just a shot of Amaya's room at night. Literally no reason for it. All you see is the silhouettes, black silhouettes of her stuffed animals. That's it. Yeah, it's in cool. a window. You know, it's kind of interesting. It makes it look like missing things in a picture. You know what I mean? Like when you look at a silhouette and like match this and you have to like match mm. whatever fits into the space. It's kind of like hmm. kind of dark, actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's literally dark. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, yes. Um, And then Forrest is at his computer at home and doing whatever. And he gets texts from Kenton that he's like outside on his porch kenton just hanging out on his porch <laughs> it's so weird man it is weird so he goes outside to talk to kenton and uh he's basically there to tell forrest you know the pol- the police bot that this was a suicide they aren't even investigating at this point it's it's a done deal it's pretty much over and then except he says you know except it's not over for her yeah. And then that's when Forrest is like, yeah, but you just mean like she's sad. Like you're not implying <laughs> that you're going to do. I mean, he doesn't say these things, but this is what. Yeah. This is the scene in, in which, by the way, you you see him with the wedding ring on. Oh, so. interesting. Okay. He puts his hand on his shoulder in a weird gesture. Yeah. And at that I moment, do remember that gesture. Glisten. I just don't I don't remember seeing a ring. That's so funny. Anyways, um. So he's like, but you're just mean, like, she's sad, right? You're not going to, like, kill her, too, is basically the subtext of what he's saying. Um, and he, he starts to give Kenton this speech about how she'll get over it. It's just going to take some time. It'll pass. Like, of all people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so true. That's funny. So, again, it's like, what? Yeah, but then Kenton's like, dude. <laughs> I know Kenton's like even Kenton uh, excuse me yeah. what yeah. are you even trying to say right now um, but again that's another like it's doublespeak like he's yeah, saying this and then he even says he's like yeah but you think I'm holding on to the past but actually I'm not and Kenton's like mm-hmm. boy yeah, all right. you are rich oh yeah so then he gives he talks to him about how like sir what you drive the crappiest piece of car you live in what does he see dust and aspic yeah lice those nice. words dust and aspic of so course. visceral yes very um and you have he literally says you have more money than god he says it twice yeah man that he has more money than he god. does say it twice yes he does <laughs> which is important and so anyway, yeah, he's like, I you you think I'm holding on to the past, but I'm actually letting go of it. Hmm. And Kenton's like, okay, mm. sure. And then they have a conversation also about the smoking. Yep. We haven't talked about the smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier, Jamie says to Lily that it was odd that the that the um, security on this phone. Which was clearly, like, spy. he's a spy, so it's linked to Russia. Right. Wait, did we even talk about the fact that he helps, that the whole scene of her him helping her figure yes. out this fake? Oh, okay. I thought, 
I thought he was just talking about, uh, you were just talking about, like, him um, no, being spoken to over, in his apartment. I went all over that. My bad. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> totally not paying attention. My bad. Hello. hello but I'm, I watched the here. same show as all y'all. I'm with you. But anyway, he says something to her, like, it's odd that the security is so old because Sergey was such a top-level level coder, but then he's like, but I guess it's, like, heart surgeons who smoke. Mm-hmm. And then Kenton says something to Forrest about, because he's sitting there smoking. I don't know why I spoke these, and he's like... I don't know why I spoke these. I really should quit. And then um, Forrest is like, it doesn't matter if you quit or something. Like, it's not going to matter. And he's like, tram lines. And he's like, yeah, tram lines. So twice so far. It's weird, man. Smoking has come up in this episode. Yeah. And I mean, from that point on, you see Kenton with a cigarette. Yeah. In, like, every scene. Yes. And he's smoking at the Golden Gate Bridge. Yep. Which we should probably talk about. We will. We're <laughs> almost there. Okay. Um. So, anyway, this conversation between Kenton and Forrest, they've kind of flipped op- to opposites of how they actually are. Like, Forrest is suddenly really ca- worried about Lily. Like, you're not going to hurt her, right? Right. And... I'm not holding on to the past. What are you talking about? I'm just, it's fine. She'll be fine. Right. Okay. And Kenton is the one who's like being reasonable <laughs> and making sense in this scene. Yeah. I guess you're the right. The murderer. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of both. He does the act, but I mean, it's kind of Forrest who sick him, sicks him onto people. I think that's the relationship. Right, but it seems like it's very... The whole conversation is odd. Yeah, it is weird. The fact that they're talking to each other is just weird. I don't like it. But it plays <laughs> along with your take on this episode, the, the theme of doublespeak and um, saying things that actually you're not saying. Like, like why are you saying that? Exactly. You know what, like, I mean? what are you talking about? Yeah. You're the one who is literally having me murder people <laughs> because you cannot get over the death of your child. Yeah. And you're telling Lily that she needs to just get over it. Time? <laughs> That's true, dude. It's nuts. Like that is funny. Of all people that, that should understand grief. Yeah. But he doesn't cause he's obsessed. Totally. Um, anyway, it was just everything in this episode seems to be, uh, double speak, double yeah. talk. Double mm-hmm. speak. Like you're literally later on, we get a speech by someone else about, about double, double speaking. Okay, so oh, this is when we cut to Amaya at night, Colossus Amaya, scary. looking super scary. <laughs> yeah, and that's my new picture on my profile pic on Facebook, and all my friends are like, "Take that off! It is creepy." <laughs> I hope I hope that becomes a Halloween costume. Colossus Amaya. <laughs> no, just like the dress. <laughs> oh, the dress. Yeah, you know. Um. Okay, so we we go to Devs again. Yay, the Devs Lab. Yeah. And I think this is the f- this is the first time we see the screen. Yeah. Oh, is this when we hear the the Ligeti? I don't remember when the Ligeti-esque music is playing. I don't remember. It has to be at some point here because what happens? I just don't remember. You're the music guy. You should be know, writing this down. But I just realized it before we started recording, so it's kind of hard to. Anyway. Okay, so we have Katie, Lyndon, Stuart, and Forrest. Or no, sorry, wrong. Katie, Lyndon, and Stuart. 
in the yep. room with the with the screen with the fuzz with the static all over it um and you can't really make it out it just looks like static and there's a conversation between the three of them Stuart says come on baby like it's they're waiting for it to do something and um Katie takes offense to him calling it baby and Lyndon is like ah you can't blame him he's from that dumb generation what does that mean the era that doesn't know what does that mean oh the word no the the word no by the way we're gonna talk about this at the very end because oh in my mind the title of this episode would probably have been i know yeah (laughs) because the word is mentioned a gajillion times star wars reference question mark maybe (laughs) um but Stuart is like you are full of it, Lyndon. Like you don't know nothing. You think you know everything. You're all your your whole generation is just fake woke. Like they're arguing <laughs> fake woke. They're arguing back and forth. And um then all of a sudden something with the machine starts to happen and you can make out the very fuzzy images of three crosses and one in the middle and clearly it's Christ on the cross and yep. then the other two people. Happy Easter. Happy Happy Easter Monday. <laughs> um, and they're all clearly freaked out and in awe by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, this is big for them, apparently. Also, I so. just want to say, Stuart brings up Coltrane and Bach, which is cool. He does. And I need to know why he chose those two names from such different eras. Classical and jazz. Mm-hmm. Probably the two genres of music that he would stereotypically stereotypically think a young person would not have I guess. a taste for, maybe. I guess. Ha. Ha. But also... Get erect. Classic and jazz. What about it? Kind of. I know you're going to argue and say they're not opposites. <laughs> but, I might have to say that. But, but if you're going to pick two The experience forms, is different. I'll say that. But you're the one who's all about the binary in the show. I know. But I'm not going to say and jazz. there is a huge, huge discourse amongst <laughs> the music community about people who don't know anything about jazz talking about jazz and people who don't know anything about classical music talking about classical music. So I am not going to talk about this. <laughs> but I'm just saying maybe that's why they picked those two. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was going through their that's heads. That's why I'm saying. But why? I mean, I guess Coltrane is like a figurehead of jazz, but. Um, Big time. Yeah, maybe that's why. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so <clears throat> after that, Lily actually does open up the phone and yep. talk to Sergey's handler and sets up a meeting. And um, as soon as she sets up a meeting, everything on the phone deletes and we get that cool stuttering music that... I'm not even going to try to mimic it. I, I really love on this show. It's like probably my favorite motif on the show. It sounds like... A, like- I'm pretty sure it's not an instrument producing that sound. Probably not. It sounds electronic to me, too, but I don't know. No, but it doesn't sound electronic. It sounds like it's altered after the fact, but I don't think it's produced by, like, a a synth or a MIDI keyboard is what I'm saying. I think it's actually a live live field sound. I just can't tell what it is. And they just manipulated it. Yeah. I just can't remember. I can't make it out. I'm normally pretty good at that, but Um, this one's cool. Obviously, it's used as another uh, aural jump scare. Because it, it happens right when the phone starts deleting. Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It is a little bit jumpy. Yep. But um, <clears throat> Similar to the saxophone. The next scene right after that is 
the foggy Golden Gate Bridge mm-hmm. and uh, more stuttering music. Yeah. And a gong ish type of sound. Again, I can't call it a gong because I, I know, know what a gong sounds like. I know like. it's not a gong. I said a gong ish type of sound, but it's not a gong. See, what's interesting about that too, what that, whatever that item is that's used to create that sound of quote unquote a gong, quasi gong, quasi gong instrument. Um, it's kind of like bending down in pitch when it's played. It mm-hmm. like it's it rings and then it kind of dips. And I know that in like percussion, like we, this is like something that's written into percussion music all the time nowadays. You can take like a a gong, like a like um there are these things called um China uh opera gongs, where if you like hit them and you dip them into water, actually a bowl of water, mm. the pitch you'll it will sound like ding. You like go up, hmm. so I wonder if it's kind of a, a process they use that's like a different and like the opposite of that where it bends down. I'm just not really sure how they would do that, but it's cool nonetheless. Probably yep. in post, they probably just didn't in post. Sounds but cool, no matter what. Yeah, everything they do in this show sounds really um, good. But so. again, this is extremely foggy. Yeah, mysterious which, as heck. Which I'm aligning with the smoke theme, like they go together. Yep. In my mind, so. Um, well, I mean, there's the idea of window. And then the idea of not being able to see anything. <laughs> True. Which is clearly another binary. True. Okay, so this is where we meet Brian Darcy James. Woo! As Anton, Sergei's handler. Mm-hmm. And they have a conversation, Lily and Anton, and basically... Um, Hold on to what you know. He's like, she's like, I don't believe you. I don't believe anything Sergei ever said. He, I clearly didn't know him at all. And... Anton's like, no, no, no. You need to hang on to what you know is true. Yep. You loved him. He loved you. I have a family. They don't know anything about what I do. That doesn't mean I don't love them. Just, you know. Yep. He did not kill himself. Be very clear on that. When people in my line of business. I love that line. Supposedly commit suicide. The one thing I know is they did not commit suicide. I love how he delivers that line. It's yeah. so clean. Yeah. So she's like, okay. <laughs> um, and then basically he tries to recruit her and says, you have to do this. You need to pick up where he left off because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you guys were in love and you just should. I don't like how he does that. I don't like that part of the scene when he's like trying to pick him up, pick her up. Like, don't. Why? Just let it go, man. Do another, pick another dude. You know what I mean? Well, it also doesn't really make that much narrative sense because she doesn't work for devs. Yeah. yeah. What good would she be doing? Well, no, he's saying. Trying to spy on devs when she doesn't work for devs. He's saying, okay, stop here now that you know the truth and continue on with your life or do something about it. And then he tells her, like, move the chair out of the window if you want to contact me. Right, but he. That's after the fact that she would be looking into devs. Like but she can't out. look into devs. She doesn't. No one talks about devs. It's Fight Club. Remember, we don't talk about Fight Club. I guess the people that work there don't talk about it. All right. I don't know. I didn't write the show. And I highly <laughs> doubt that they're going to promote her to devs now that her dead. They had to kill her dead boyfriend. Like that wouldn't make any sense. That either. would not make any so, sense. So um, that was my only issue with that. Like, what good is it going to do if she signs up to work for you? I'm sure there's a reason. Okay. I mean, I'm sure you're missing something. I'm sure I'm missing something. Okay, let's maybe, not stop now. But I'm just saying, like, practically speaking, I'm not sure what good it would have done. But maybe just to keep her quiet. That's what I think, dude. Like, like you're working for me now because they killed your boyfriend. 
Yeah. So join us. Yeah. Or die. No. <laughs> just saying. What? <laughs> I went into Star Wars mode for a second. Sorry. <laughs> he will join us. Um. Or so die. yeah, he basically tell her, tells her after she claims, I saw him burn himself, and he, he's like, no, no, it's fake. <laughs> Girl, no, no. listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. At that point, he's just like, I'm done with this. I Girl. gotta go. Yeah. So, he yes, he does say, um. Okay, I'm going to give you some time to think about it. You can decide whether you want to work for me or not by putting a chair in the window that I know you have because I'm creepy and I've been watching you guys because of course. Of Sergei. Um, and she's like, huh. All right. So their <laughs> meeting breaks up. Oh, and one thing, too. Uh, Anton is wearing the most boring outfit of anyone yep. on this entire show has ever worn. Like, literally to this episode seven. Like, this is actually the only person who wears a boring costume it's weird. light blue shirt light blue or dark blue suit yep no pattern of any kind nope whereas everyone in this show almost like everyone is wearing lines plaids circle pattern floral pattern or a combination of the three yep this guy's wearing <laughs> so it's like Brother, you have no idea what's going on in this show. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you're no, no. completely out of the loop. He's like, uh, he's like the red shirts. Star Trek. <laughs> the red shirts. Like, you know what's coming. Yeah. Get out of here. Okay, so their meeting breaks up and it cuts away to Kenton, who has followed Lily, and he's smoking yep. a cigarette around the corner of another building, and he says... Well, that's just fucking great. <laughs> yes. Which is Excuse my French. Double speak. It's like a comedic double speak at that point. It's sarcasm. It. Yeah, which is double speak. Which is double speak. Okay, so I noticed this. I know you're going to gloss right over this, and you probably didn't notice this. The next shot is we have um, Stuart standing in front of the static. So yes. it cuts back to be inside the cube room. Yes. And he's like, yo, champagne. Like, let it bang. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Before that shot, I want to talk about this because I know this is intentional. I know it. I'm not crazy. There, you notice that he's standing with his back against this wall. And in the shot of Kenton, it's like half Kenton in, in the shot. And then the rest of it is this white wall mm -hmm. that's very present in this. It's very up close. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. I did notice it. Thank you very much. But you didn't notice this. So you don't know what it. I noticed. I know you didn't notice it, Ugh, okay? Because you don't that, pay attention to the things I do. The so, gall and arrogance <laughs> I have to live the with. The audacity. The audacity. Okay. As he's walking away, the focus on him outfocuses, or whatever the word is, loses focus, I guess, and focuses on the wall. And it's got all kinds of cracks in it. No. The wall. The wall looks like the static wall behind. Yes, Stuart. I did. That's what I just said. It look. It's the wall has all kinds of cracks in it, and it's got like fizzes, like pops in the cement, and like stuff yes. like that. Yes, and it does look like the static of the screen that they're looking at. And you can just <laughs> hey, don't be mean. Not on the podcast. <laughs> this is a family podcast. All right. Well, we you already said the f bomb once. I was quoting Quentin. It doesn't count. Or Qu Kenton. Sorry. Yeah. Quentin. Okay. Fine. Um, I did notice that actually. All right. Well. Now so everyone there. else notices it. Okay. It's not a competition. It's an exhibition. You don't have to yell at me. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, then it cuts to... Then it cuts to the lab. Yep. And that's when Stuart is like, 
we should be extremely excited about this. Our variances are so small, we just made a 2,000-year backward projection back to when uh, Christ was crucified. And they kind of get in, they get into a little spat about it because Stuart is all about, this is amazing. Why are you guys not jumping up and down for joy that this happened? Right. And everybody else is just kind of like, I think you're missing the point, Stuart. And Stuart's like, you're missing the point. This is a miracle that happened. And then Forrest no. <laughs> comes in and says, it's not a miracle and it needs to be one. Mm-hmm. And I did write down what he said. The irony is despite our quantum computing, our problem is binary. It either succeeds totally or it doesn't. Anything outside total is not total. That's true. Because he wants perfection. He's working in absolute, absolutes, 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 like a Sith. Like, a... <laughs> sorry. But also the Jedi did too. Let's oh, not go into that. we ain't doing this. We okay. ain't doing this. <laughs> I'm cutting that. No. <laughs> um, and then Stuart replies and says, "Well, then the problem is not binary. It's reality. If you want total accuracy, zero variance." then a heuristic approach is never going to work. You're literally going to need a computer the size of the universe, one qubit per particle, and good fucking luck with that. <laughs> See, that's interesting. I didn't notice you used the word heuristic approach. Your, her, heuristic. I have heuristic. certain words that I have a hard time saying. Whatever. Heuristic. But um, there is also that binary, the whole idea of an algorithm versus a heuristic. Yep. Which is one that I never noticed and I think is probably pretty important. And binary (laughs) versus quantum, obviously. We've mentioned that before. Yeah. But this is the conversation where they tell you that. Like, this is a problem. Quantum in itself is a binary and a paradox. It doesn't matter that binary is in the picture at all. Quantum in itself, according to the uncertainty principle, is literally the idea of something happening at the same time. Okay, like... Two things. If you're going to start talking about actual... This is... I need stuff. to talk about this though because this is important. Okay, go ahead, but I don't. So, I'm, I'm just prefacing. I don't understand where you're about no, to say. No, you go. will if you listen. I'm not going to use any actual physics terms. Okay, go. Except one word, particle. But you know what a particle is. Mm-hmm. So, basically, in quantum physics, there is this concept called the uncertainty principle, which is literally what it means. Um, it's the best way to describe what this phenomenon is. And it is that at a certain point of magnification, like when you get lower and lower and lower into the microscopic realm, uh, into the atomic realm, the quantum realm, you notice how you cannot calculate the position and the speed of a, of a particle at the same time, at the same moment in time. You can't do it. You can only do one of the two at the same time. So that concept of like how... Like, we as people experience everything on a time-based basis, but yet, at our most fundamental level, there is no way to calculate time. I learned about this in Ant-Man. Yeah, dude. Like, this <laughs> this is something that's, like, been ingrained in our culture as an idea. It's this just, is, like... This is where I've learned my physics in Ant-Man. Even no, though but it I is. Did, I did take these classes. I just want everyone to know. But <laughs> she I, ain't stupid. She got I, her GED out here. I have a double major and a double minor from the <laughs> University of Illinois. However, it's like on Big Bang Theory where the physicists look down on the biologists. <laughs> yeah. I was the biology psych major, you double been both. major. 
because I do not understand physics, never have, and I don't like math. Okay, continue. Well, okay, the real, the, but the truth of the uncertainty principle is you aren't supposed to understand it. It's something that denies and defies everything we know about our universe. Because literally, we can't do two things at the same time. At I that do, level. I actually do understand. I, I understand that it's not Because they move too fast. Yes. They relocate every like I don't even know the unit of time. And this concept use, is amplified and revisited in a later episode. Yes, it is. And I will handle that one. Yes, you need to. I got that. <laughs> um, okay, are you done? Because yep, I'm trying. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna talk a little less from this point on. I think. Okay, so Katie says uh, after Stewart is like, "There's just no way you're gonna need a computer the size of the universe." And Katie says, "What he's saying is have a little faith, Stewart." Um, and at some point, Forrest says, I'm not worried about it because I know we can do better. And Stuart, this is I'm listening. when Stuart says, are you saying I know we can do better or I know we can do better? Yeah. Which in retrospect makes is... a whole lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. At the time, <laughs> I thought he was referring to Forrest being a little threatening to yeah be same i mean it, it comes across both ways though it does it's like so that line is so many levels of double speak it's ridiculous to even count how many levels of double speak that line works on because we have the play on the word no how it's articulated again in the speech. word no is in this episode a trillion times the fact that he uses the same sentence twice in a row with different articulation and different meaning mm-hmm. that's double speak mm-hmm. the fact that we just talked about, like, the uncertainty principle. So, like, there's this uncertainty, but there's also this, like, sureness behind his voice and sarcasm almost. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just kind of that. And then there's, like, um, the fact that you and I know what happens later. And he says that. And as an audience, we initially experienced it as nothing other than a threat. Is like, meta speak. Mm-hmm. Do you see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's so many levels, dude. It's crazy. It's the the writing on this show. <laughs> I don't even... Insane. I have to say, though, sometimes I think we look into it. We, I think we do. Man. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. But there's no way because, the again, the word no in this episode is used in so many different ways. The man cares about his script. By so, so many different characters. By all of them, I actually think. So many. How much you want to bet that every character in this episode says the word no? It's for real. We should go back and see. Because Kenton, okay. does Kenton ever say it? Um. Maybe when he's talking to Forrest. Maybe. Maybe he's like, you know. Oh, but he does say it later to, or no, Anton says it. Anton says it. Lily says it. Jamie says it. Forrest says it. I think Lyndon says it. Stuart says it. St- oh yeah, Stuart sure. says it. Anyway, interesting. Katie probably says it. Probably. We'll go. Weird. I'll have to go back and check now. But um, at this point, Forrest is like, okay, meeting over. I need some alone time. Okay. So everybody leaves, and he sits down in front of the screen, and he gets out his little iPad or whatever, and he manipulates it however he needs to, and it pulls up a fuzzy picture of little Amaya in her bedroom blowing bubbles. Are they bubbles? They are bubbles. Or, okay. So... We've seen Amaya now. Oh, that's the three dimension. That's the sphere. Blowing <laughs> I see. a 
uh oh my god <laughs> dandelion dandelion oh my Dude, god my brain dummy um blowing a dandelion in episode one and now we see her blowing bubbles in episode two so i'm just saying circles spheres right Round things. Round things. Well, <laughs> again, from I'll a certain point of view. Things that are round <laughs> for 200. I mean, that's in a sense also paradoxical on the perceptual level. Like you said, if you look at a sphere in three-dimensional space, it looks like a circle. Yes. Um, when you have nothing respective in its back- on it, like as the background, mm-hmm. so it's like, how can a circle and a sphere look the same? You know what I mean? Yeah. Whack. Anyway. It just, I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's crazy. It's the one thing I noticed about this show that just keeps coming up. And like, why is she constantly blowing things (laughs) why are we seeing her blowing bubbles why are we seeing her blowing a dandelion like Uh, good point uh, why like that's a good point i mean later on we do see her with another round thing toy that's not being blown but it's still like involves air so i don't know i don't know there's a lot of air just saying that's there Okay. okay um so we get a another take it from here Another montage of uh, cars passing, this really cool, I guess it's a bike rack, of metal circles that are in a row, so it's a really pretty shot of this bike rack. But anyway, it cuts to Jamie waiting outside of Lily's apartment, um, waiting for her to get home, and um, everyone's famous, or everyone's favorite homeless guy, Peter, comes around the corner and startles him, which is kind of funny. And yeah. asks him, what is he asking for? A cigarette. You gotta smoke? Yep. And, um, so again, there's our, there's our smoking motif from this wait, episode. Wait, wait. What? Who smokes in this episode? Those two. Kenton? Those two. Kenton and Peter. Mm, well. I don't know. In retrospect. Well, let's not talk about retrospect. Okay, but do you see what I'm saying? No, I don't. But I don't want to talk about oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I want to talk about it like I know things, man. I know. That's why we have to go episode by episode and be careful. All right. Okay, so they have a funny little conversation where <laughs> Peter's like, she's already got a guy, man. I don't know what you're doing, dude. Like, you could try, I guess. But And Jamie's like, oh, would you just leave me alone? So um, he's waiting for Lily and... She does eventually come home, and they have a conversation, and basically, Jamie says to Lily, uh, yeah, I was a little concerned because I know you, mm. and I know how you operate, and other people would just think to do a thing, but you would actually do the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So I'm really worried that you're going to hack into that phone and actually talk to, like, a Russian spy, and I don't think you should do that. It's a bad idea. Right. And she's like... I agree. This is a bad idea. (laughs) And she agrees. You do know me. Um, But that's, yeah, a bad idea. But that's also a Star Wars reference. For real. Don't even at me. Oh, I don't think so. Don't even at me. I don't think so. You don't think it crosses mind? No. I don't. Okay. But anyway, um, they have a little moment. Again, a nice moment. And and she says thank you for helping me. And he's like, it's cool. And she's like, no, really thank you and he's like i said it's cool <laughs> and, it's, and i said it's cool and that's all and he just, <laughs> yes and then my he just, boy yeah he's the coolest my boy and i wrote down we love jamie Ooh, woo. <laughs> okay he's all right so as he's leaving peter is there again 
on oh, the doorstep. Yeah. And he's doing the... Lining wh- up cigarette butts in a straight line across the front of the step. Right. Do you want to explain that? Because I've racked my brain every time I watch that scene for why he would be doing that. Even um, in the context of not knowing what happens in the future with any I'm of the other characters. I'm just thinking it is, A, another reference to smoking. Obviously. And he's lining these cigarette butts up in a straight line. Okay, tram lines. It's okay. a tram line. <clears throat> and they themselves and are And they line. themselves are little straight lines. And he's basically, like, blocking Jamie. You know, he's, like, in the way. Gate. Yeah, he was in his way when he on his way in, True. and he was in his way on his way out. So... So he likes hanging out around there. Um, I think it's just we're looking at more like just the reference to smoking is just it's concealment it's like mystery mystery like what what is going on with this spy nonsense and this murder and i don't know but again it's like laced with these straight lines and tram line references and right it's very it's layered there's a lot of layers many layers (laughs) but i don't know other than that i really don't know because then, he, and because then it becomes a comedic moment where he's like, "If I pay you, will you please never talk to me again?" <laughs> yeah. And then he gets, you know, he pays him, and he's like, "Okay, I'm never going to talk to you again." Okay, buddy. He's like, "Oh, dang it! I already failed." <laughs> Double speak. Um, and he says, "It's exactly that kind of unprofessionalism that led me to a life on the streets." <laughs> and he destroys. Yep, he tosses it. All of his cigarette butts and knocks them out of the way into yep. chaos. I also think it's kind of a, similar to like a Rain Man type of character, mm-hmm. like someone who seems like just like off, but is like obsessed. Peter's with a like... good character. Peter's a really good character, and I no, really but that like trope him. of someone being obsessed with like this like n- this numerated little things, and right? Like organizing them, and then they smash it, and it's just like right. And we had we had multiple theories on what Peter's deal was at this point in the show. We already. We are already like, hmm, that's a really interesting character. I wonder what. Yeah, like is... it's not just a one-time dude. Like, he's back. Yeah, in he's in two. almost every episode. A lot of the like. scenes in episode two, actually. Um, okay, so then we cut again to more outside driving and streets, and there's a sign on a building that <laughs> says, Wrinkles can now be optional. <laughs> in and green it, light. It's illuminated with green light. And because I'm kooky this way, I was immediately like, is that a reference to the wrinkle in time? <laughs> yeah. But I Probably. actually, I looked up that product that is a real product, the one that's in the sign. So maybe not. Okay. Well, I mean, hey. But maybe, maybe so. Maybe they took it from that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, yeah, maybe they, that is a real sign somewhere in San Francisco and they were just like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> ha, 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 why not? <laughs> Let's put a green light on it. And... Yeah. The green lights, man. They used a lot of LED, a lot of green LEDs. <laughs> So right after that, um, we see Anton entering a parking garage in his car. we do. Followed by Kenton. The boy. Into the same parking garage. Scary. And uh, as as Anton has exited his car and walking, Kenton is following him walking, and he says, Hey, Ivan. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just a stereotypical russian name i guess he's yeah not being very nice but he's uh you know like he wants he literally says i want to have a no bullshit conversation with you that's right um 
I know. He says something like, I don't know who you are, but I know what you are. Yeah. And, you know, I caught your boy. It's over. <laughs> your boy. I know you're trying to recruit Lily now. Big mistake. Yep. Leave her alone. She's just in the wrong place, wrong time, wrong boyfriend. Uh, she's an innocent. And you know, you remember innocence, right? Why does he say that? Um, because he's trying to, like, in a minute, he'll say, like, this is not a no BS conversation. You're clearly trying to f- act like you have the upper, like, the moral high ground here. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so then I, I called him Ivan. Then when Anton is like, I thought you said we were going to have a no bullshit conversation. It's like, all this is is BS. It's yep. standard American doublespeak. Mm-hmm. He literally uses the term doublespeak. Yeah. You people love to sound so straightforward, straight talkers, straight shooters, because it gives you the cover of virtue while you lie. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's good. Good writing. Um, Those honestly sound like song lyrics. It kind of does. You're Poem, right. Poetry. Poetry. Like, actually poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what, what Kenton says, but... It, <laughs> he just stares at him. He, at some point... Then Anton calls you? him Joe. Joe. How's that for no BS, Joe? Oh. <laughs> Which is, a, you know, it's sarcasm funny. again. Yep. Um, and then somebody pulls a shiv. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Anton pulls out a knife and just. No, wait, you missed the most important part. What? So he calls him Joe and then he's like, Kenton. And then he's like, I know. And oh, then he stabs Sorry. Him. That's I think important. I wrote that on the next page. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he says, I know. And he when he stabs him. And then he stabs him. <laughs> so um, good. And they struggle, and that's when congregation starts Right when he again. stabs him, the song kicks back in, which is cool. I love that. So they're fighting, and they're struggling, in the weirdest fight I think I've ever seen. Weird. There's a lot of, like, face grabbing. <laughs> face grabbing. I guess that's when two older gentlemen are having a fight. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. And... Maybe neither one or is in the best physical shape of their lives. I'm not sure. But it is a really inter- weird, like, they are, it's a realistic fight. Like, it's not like a stylistic well, it is slowed Avengers down. type it is of fight. It is slowed down. That is true, it is. So maybe it doesn't look that weird, actually, in real time. It just looks weird because it's an extended period of just hand in the face. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but then they end up on the ground on their backs. Like they're both on their backs. It's such a weird. I'm just saying the choreography of the fight is different. For oh, sure. for sure. Yeah, I mean the way the dude dies, <laughs> right, is weird. Which I'm about <laughs> to say the least to get to. So while this is all happening, by the way, we're getting like cutting in, cutting out of scenes of Lily in her bedroom, and she's like doing something. By the way, yeah, she they show her laying in bed, wide awake, clearly thinking, like can't sleep. Then she gets up, she goes to her desk, she gets out some paper. And she stares p- at the chair that he tells her to move. Ah, yes, she stares at the chair. Which, which has a bunch of lines on it. I'm just saying they bought up every <laughs> upholstery fabric they could find that has <laughs> a geometric design on it of lines yeah. and circles and boxes and plaids and everything Correct. they could find. Oh, yeah, and weird, in this scene between Kenton and Anton, Anton's still wearing his very boring... Blue shirt, blue jacket, blue pants. Yep. Kenton is wearing yeah, like this Hawaiian, almost? kooky patterned circular, 
it's not a floral pattern, but it's like, I don't even know, but it is definitely like a circular pattern, like flowery kind of, like a mandala again. Yeah. Kind of like those two big circular pieces of art uh, at, at Dove's. Ah. Uh, kind of, sort of. All right. But anyway, it is not a shirt that I would imagine that Kenton would pick out to wear. <laughs> but it does have circular designs on it, so well, that's probably Well, hey, not. man, maybe he's like a walking doublespeak because he's like wearing these chill clothes where he can murder you in like a second. But he doesn't always wear the chill clothes. That's the thing. Like, he's wearing this highly um, artful design and it's and he's going up against this guy who's wearing a plain blue shirt and a plain blue suit who again i think this i think that like indicates that anton is just completely has no idea what he's up against he's just wearing the most boring clothes imaginable yep so anyway um yeah so lily's in her apartment she gets out she's looking at the chair she's clearly debating do i want to do this or do i not want to do this and we get and, the shot while they're fighting. I feel like you're flying through this. No, we, <laughs> we get a shot. I haven't turned the page yet. We See? get a shot while they're fighting of the shot from the opening montage. The one of oh, like, yeah. two dudes fighting in a garage. Yes. They, it, and now the, you know who the, it is. The same shot is in, yes, the ending montage as was in the beginning. Montage. Very similar to how he uses ending montage scenes in the... Like the the shot of Forrest's face being lit up by the forest trees yeah. on the saxophone cue mm-hmm. in the beginning of the show, how that happens at the end. He likes it. It's like a perfect ABA composition. It you know is. I mean? It's just like an arch form. That's what it is. It's if we're circle. really talking, it's about a circle. Form. Well, it's an arch what form. What goes around comes around. So maybe it's, I don't know, but whatever. Um. Anyway, it took me watching this twice. Before I realized how Kenton kills Anton in this fight. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why either. I guess because the way he kills him is so odd that I just didn't comprehend it. Okay. But <laughs> he kills him. Kenton wins the fight mm-hmm. after they're they're on the ground. They're on their backs. It's a very odd fight, like I said. There's he- actually a line in the song, I think, of something of being on your backs. Is there? I think so. I know something about a salient fight is you is. Well, yeah, it's all about song. fight. It's all about, but it's called congregation, and it's about like groups. I don't know. I don't know. Weird. I tried analyzing it really quickly, like the lyrics and how it could compare to that scene. And honestly, it's hard to see a relationship. I'll have to do some more work on that. Maybe I yeah I need to look at the lyrics more clearly. But when you ask me, what do you think this? Why'd they pick this song? I mean, just from hearing. The word congregation immediately makes me think of church. Organized religion. Greg Gregorian, you know. Yeah, it just makes it's got a religious connotation to me. Yeah, sure. But Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Totally. That's all I there mean, is we to always it. know that there's religious connotations in the show. So And it's a cool song. It is a cool song. Shout it out. It works. Real very hip, well. real real uh underground type of vibe. Yeah. It definitely works in yeah. the show. But anyway, Kenton gets Anton's head like he's he's at a very weird angle with his neck and his head and the only sound you hear throughout the playing of the song Congregation from the actual action of the show is the sound of Anton's neck snapping. Yeah. And he's he's pressed <laughs> yes. his head so hard up against underneath the wheel of the car that they're struggling under 
that his neck snaps. Yeah. So he just broke his neck pushing up against a circle of a tire in a parking garage. <laughs> interesting way to die. Interesting yeah. kill. <laughs> yes, it say. is very interesting. And right after that happens, we see that Lily has put up a sign in her window again, Lily in her windows, um, that says F you. <laughs> and it closes on that. Um, and we hear the rest of congregation play out. And then it actually closes the rest of the credits. The music playing is the love motif that we've decided is a love motif. Yeah, we've heard it with Jamie and uh, Lily. And then we've also heard it with Forrest and uh, uh, Amaya. Little when, Amaya, not little Colossus Amaya. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah. I hope we never get that. That's creepy. <laughs> okay. So, in closing... I think I just want to say um, the way that the word no, K-N-O-W, is used in this episode is clearly significant. Also, the word no, like N-O, is is used, by the way, prominently. Is it? In the room when when, uh, Stuart's freaking out about them achieving. I mean, he says, come on, baby. He's like, don't do that. And I think Katie says no. A few times. And Forrest says no. Like, that's the first thing he says when he's in the room. I don't remember that. He's like, no, not a miracle. Maybe. I don't know. Lots of no's being passed around. We know that. And there is an O in no. Which is a circle. <laughs> well, yeah, now we're Case closed. Like, Whoa. Um, but anyway, there's something to that. That is clearly a theme of this show. Like, you, what you think you know. Mm-hmm. But do you really know? I mean, hey, man, those books on the bedstand. <laughs> and the way that it's used, it's used in, like, I know you. Yep. I know you as a person, but it's also used as... Um, a threat? It's used as a threat? It's used as a love, maybe, potential? Yeah, line? it's just the way that it's used... Interrogatory? It's Interrogative? Used in a sarcastic, and right as somebody's sarcastic. about to get stabbed. Yep. <laughs> Like many different views, many different, many different tram lines. So I don't know. I feel like it's just a way of saying you think, you know, Mm -hmm. but what you think, you know, you don't know. I guess so. (laughs) Bars. It's good. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. It's just clearly. I would say this episode is pretty. Yeah. I would say this episode is pretty. This episode's purpose, I think, after watching those seven of the rest of them, or uh, five of the rest of them, this episode is the most, honestly, in context, confusing. There's a lot of things in this episode that are not explained, even outside that episode, like any other time later, Mm. I feel like. You'll have to tell me later what you mean by that. I I don't know. Just when I watched, we've watched it like seven times. I've watched it. I watched it once with my girlfriend. I watched it five times with you, and I think I watched it alone myself once. I just and feel like every the things are jumping out like crazy. I think they're I just, very obvious. For this episode, though, it seems weird. Like, this dude gets introduced, this Anton dude, and he's just killed 20 minutes into the episode. So it's just like, it kind of, from episode one so to episode two. So you thought you knew what he was going to be about, and you were wrong. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Then, I mean, that's the point. Maybe it over. is. But it's just like, as me as a viewer... Not as an analyst, just as a viewer, I experienced this episode with hecka confusion compared to the first one. I even, mm. I caught on to things, like in the first one, 
This one, it just felt like everything was explained, distrib- uh, um, exhibited, and just you live in it. You live in the moment type of thing. You take it. You take the punches as we go. You know but I, mean? I feel like again, like the whole thing about the smoke and the fog. It's after the fact. Now I think about it. Yes, I realize healing. Totally. But the fact that two dudes smoke cigarettes in this episode, I did not think about it at the time. This is all in retrospect, is what I'm saying. Like everything we've talked about this episode is kind of in retrospect. Okay, but to be honest. okay, so we have the word "no" being used all the time, smoke and fog being a theme, Lily in the windows, mm-hmm. like you were saying earlier. I think before we were recording, what's the opposite of smoke and fog? You can't see. Well, a window. window is used to see through. Yeah, but smoke is used to not allow that. Yes. Binary. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, I think we've hit it pretty hard. On the, I and think I, so. I'm so upset that I can't remember the context of the Ligeti Luxaterna piece. Yeah, I don't remember either. But uh, for anyone out there uh, listening to this and whoever wants to listen to this after the fact, and listen, uh, watch episode two of Devs, there is a moment in the score when there is a an original composition, I believe. It's not actually Luxaterna, I can tell you that for sure. Um but there's what? what's Lux Eterna? Lux Eterna is a piece actually used in 2001. I thought that was called something else. There's three legacy pieces. Oh, used. I'm getting Atmospheres, which is the one that opens up the movie in the overture. Yes. And then there's sorry, this is about 2001: A Space Odyssey. Everybody, Atmospheres but it's opens Kubrick, up, so it counts. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Atmospheres opens it up. Lux Eterna is used during. The uh, during the the light thing, like when he's going through the columns, that's Lux Eterna. Oh, okay. And then, I also think it's Atmospheres too. During that, it's a long sequence. I think it's used. It uses both okay. pieces. And then you know the one with all the like the yeah. really creepy things. That's when they find the monolith on the moon. Okay. It's like really stressful. Okay, I I now I now I know. What but anyway, Lux Eterna okay. is a piece written for I want to say only female vocals but it's a female choir i want to say that i'm i'm pretty sure it's right obviously lux eterna is latin for light eternal and the text is based off of uh actually a line in the not the bible but a variation on like that type of scripture um, for a different religion and it features a lot of these female vocalists kind of all it starts with just sopranos and it's kind of got this high pitch just like holding Almost like an ohm, but it's high pitch. Yeah. Um, and then it starts warbling, so it's like, it's so like it starts wobbling a little, modulating. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a piece in the show in this episode that is clearly inspired by that in its composition, as it like starts with an original sign tone just going, and then it starts warbling. To a then... dummy like me who doesn't know any better, it literally sounded pretty much the same it is look up yeah. the piece lux eterna <laughs> l-u-x-a-e-t-e-r-n-a and listen to it and then listen to that piece and you'll i mean you'll hear the relationship immediately there's a female voice in the show there's a female voice singing over a sign tone. i wish i could remember when that comes and there's modulation happening remember. i'm just yeah i might be looking into it because a lot of you know like scoring music has that kind of tendency to just be one pitch and then it like warbles mm-hmm. but like no, no, no. It sounds so much like it. It's not even funny. You think so? Yep, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, because like I said, I'm dumb and I don't know anything. And I was like, okay, someone loves 2001. Like, obviously. And obviously he's in the Latin Yeah, that's true. Music. Oh, and know. by the way, just from 
um, looking up the composers on this show, I did find out that there is a um, score release in the works. Yes. Don't know when that's going to happen. Oh, I'm so hyped. <laughs> but yes, I cannot wait for that. Oh, That'll be great. I'm going to be a happy boy once that happens. But okay. Okay. So episode two, I think we covered yeah, everything we good. wanted to cover, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, episode three will be coming soon. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to try to get these out because Thursday is the finale. <laughs> And I do have school, so let's take that into consideration. And Colin has school, whatever, whatever. But Just you do saying. have nice three-day weekends, it seems like, now, because of your well, kind class of. schedule. But, um, yeah, so yeah. anything else you want to say? Uh, no. Just okay. enjoy enjoy episode two and enjoy episode three even more with this information. Yes, go watch episode three, and we will be back very soon, probably by the end of the week, to talk about episode three and... Thank you so much for listening to us babbling. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to Decoding Devs, an unofficial devs podcast. We have no affiliation with FX, Hulu, or anyone associated with the show. Our opening music is Regnantum Sympaterna by Jan Garbarek and the Hilliard Ensemble. Our closing music is Fortunate Ones by the Beacon Sound Choir. We likewise have no affiliation with those composers or performers. All of their art belongs expressly to them, and we are just here to discuss and appreciate. Once again, thank you for listening.